episode 183 of Retro Encounter, the RPG Fan Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and today I'm joined by uh, two ladies of RPG Fan. Uh, first, Hilary Andruff. Hello, hello. Good to be here. And second, making her RPG Fan Podcast debut, Tina Ola. Hi. Now, Hilary and Tina, uh, one of the most requested series that we have for discussing in Retro Encounter is East. Um, RPG fan is known to be a haven of Falcom fans. There's a, We cover the Legend of Heroes and East series a lot, but we've never really talked about East on the podcast. And I have had uh, multiple messages sent to me asking to play an East game. And is, we're finally doing it in April 2019 and playing East the Oath in Felgana, the remake of East Wanderers from East in the, uh, on, for the Super Nintendo and I think also PC Engine and some other uh, consoles from the early 90s. So uh, before we get into the game that we're playing today, I want to ask you a little bit about your guys' background. Uh, starting with you, Tina, is, um, h- how much East have you played in the past? I've only played the original version of this one for, I think, both Super Nintendo and the Genesis version. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what your feelings are on it, but I sort of hated the Super Nintendo version. Um, yeah, I didn't get very far in that. I'm it, really liking this one, though. That's cool, but uh, I like uh, East Three for the Super Nintendo is a uh, it's a side-scrolling game with some RPG elements. It yeah. like I, I think it's like the Zelda Two of East almost because it's <laughs> it's not really like any other game in the series, and it's uh, not nearly as beloved as uh, as a lot of its. Uh, counterparts. But, um, but uh, Hillary, how much East background do you have? So going back to our uh, confessionals episode, I have actually somehow unintentionally avoided a lot of Falcon games, and that includes the entire East series. So this is my first time. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, I guess my turn to answer that question. I played a couple Falcom games in the 90s and early 2000s, but none of them really grabbed me. I, I mentioned that I really disliked Wanderers from East, and, uh, and and I tried I tried it again because one of my friends in the college gaming club uh, insisted that Falcom games have great music and I gotta check them all out. So I, I, I like saw videos of, I think, uh, I, I think some of the Japan-only East games, like yeah, Mask of the Sun and uh, Sand City of Kefin, and I followed the uh, um, localization of uh, Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky pretty closely because I had heard – because, I mean, it took six years for that game to come out in uh, North America. And I uh, was really interested in it before it even came out. But but East itself, I, uh, I tried a couple of them, including Wanderers from East for the Super Nintendo, and didn't really like any of them. But uh, then Falcom sort of – uh, resetting is the wrong word, but they sort of tried to reset the East series a little bit. The older East games have a bit of a confusing development history. There's uh, two East 4s made by different companies, neither of which was Falcom, but Falcom ended up publishing both of them and then combined storyline story elements from both of them when they remade East 4 many years later. And uh, there was a, a bunch of non-Falcom remakes of East games, and it was, it was a little confusing keeping this series storyline together. But around 2000... They uh, they released pretty detailed remakes of East One and Two, and then uh, got started getting into a pattern, starting with East Six, doing sort of new games and remakes that with storylines altered so they fit together better. And as such, uh, if a, a modern East fan has a lot of good options to choose from, uh, there's a storyline that fits together and builds on each other, and they're available for many many different platforms instead of just weird Japanese PCs. Which is still the case for some of the 90s East games. But uh, the game we're talking about today is East the Oath in Felgana, which started out as a PC game. It was uh, uh, the third game released in sort of the Napishtim engine. And uh, it started out on the PC, but now you can get it on PSP and Vita and a couple other platforms, I think. But uh, And uh, I think we mentioned this before the we recorded, but um, all both of you are playing it on PC, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm also playing it on PC. I uh I played this game first about five years ago on PC with a three hundred sixty controller. I just bought a bunch of East games that were on sale. Ended up liking them so much that I beat them all in like two months. Uh and, and uh and I think Felgana was the first East game I finished. It, um I sort of started all of them and like, well, East one is weird, I don't know about this, let's try this Felgana thing and I ended up beating that and I ended up playing 
several East games in a row over about six months, and then and then uh, buying and enjoying all of them that, that as they came out since. But that was that was 2013 or 2014. I don't remember exactly. I'd have to I'd have to check like my blog or something. But uh, I think East Othenfeldgan is a really really good starting point because it's sort of it's a it's a pretty normal Adol and Dogie adventure that uh, is that is. Like like fits in with all the East tradition and is uh, has some really intense action, I, and I I remember I died against the first boss of the game Dularn at least at least twice the first time I played but I was in better shape this time. Uh, did you guys struggle at all with the difficulty in the, uh, playing through the first half of East Othenfelgana? Yeah, I just had trouble with a couple bosses and I didn't really like the platforming in the lava level. But other than that, like I played on easy, so it was pretty wasn't very stressful or anything. I'm playing a normal both runs, and and you're right. The platforming does get weird. Uh, you have to do a lot more platforming when um when you get the double jump. It also gives you more time in the air to like position yeah. yourself better. Yeah, I'm kind of finding it easier with the double jump. Uh, Hillary, have you had any struggles in the early goings on? Um, yeah, I I'm playing on normal as well, and it's mostly the bosses and I, I kind of knew that going into it because I've heard a lot about this series but actually one of the one of the really funny things is the quarry boss the statue lady um I died so many times that I uh got an achievement <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. yeah uh, consult a walkthrough already and then I realized it's because I wasn't using the d-pad um <laughs> And then I tried using the D-pad instead, and it went a lot more easily. <laughs> so it was interesting. But the, the perspective was interesting in that one, too. Like, I think even if that hadn't been the case, it still would have taken me a few times to get used to that perspective in that first fight. It's completely a distance fight, and you have to use your magic, which is not what I was expecting for the first pause. Yeah, I think that... Uh... Adol gets three magic spells to use in this game, and they're uh, and they're used in in combat and also in traverse a little bit. And I think that like the first boss you fight after you get each of them really expects you to use them. Like it, it wants to, it wants to teach you those magic spells uh, with these early boss fights. It was a uh, um, it's the the statue lady, then the uh, the boss in the lava area, and then the boss in the mountain area is really uh, is really where they try to educate you with that that way, and. Um, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, in surrounding East games, there uh, Othenfelgana is sort of like the. It's not really a trilogy, but it's sort of the second game of a set of three East games that have this solo adult isometric area, um, uh, like dashing sword attack kind of combat. The old East games just had Adol attack enemies by walking into them. There is no sword button. <laughs> So like, uh, and I, I usually think of them as like lawnmower east games or sumo wrestling east games. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, they're, they're a little weird. Uh, it's uh, and um, I, I think East One they had really not figured it out yet, and it's a little bit of a struggle getting through a couple bosses in East One. But in East Two, they give you more skills and more options, and they and it's a, a much more playable game. And and again, this is a remake of East Three. But in the recent run of Falcom made East games after 2000, they did three East games in a row: Six, Felgana, and Origin, where your main character is is running around in an isometric space with some verticality, doing platforming as well as uh, as well as sword slashing and spell casting. And in in East the in Felgana, it's almost the simplest because uh, Edel's move set is uh, you know, different sword strikes and combos with three spells that can do some, uh, some you know, offense and some utility. But in in uh, in East Six, you, he had three different swords, and each sword had different had, had different like combos and different speeds, and that that was a little bit weird to get used to, and and also different uh, spell casting. And in East in East Origin, you have three playable characters that are completely different, even though uh, even though the, the, one of them is very similar to Adol. So I I, I want. To ask you this next, um, the basic action and controls in this game, I, I find it really easy to sort of lose track of myself if I'm mashing the uh, the attack button because Adol Adol sort of dashes forward as he as he strikes and he has his moves have different uh, properties if you dash while attacking or or like attack on the upward half of a jump or downward half of a jump. Have you had any? Uh, how do you? How does the like the basics of Sword swinging and spellcasting field, you guys. Um, you, you go first, Hillary. Okay. Um, I overall, especially in the early game, really enjoyed the momentum 
like I, it was pretty nice to be able to just keep going with attacks through a bunch of enemies. Um, but it took a little bit of getting used to when I ran into some of the enemies. Like I think there were some in the second ruins where you almost had to stun them by jumping and then doing a sword strike on the way down. Yeah, I never really mastered the upward strike or the downward strike. And I, I, I think my timing with it is a little bit better now that I sort of know what I have to do ahead of time. But it's, it, it's weird to get used to. It is, but and I think losing yourself is kind of a good way to to put it because you can just kind of glide around and hit that attack button a lot until you run into <laughs> a specific type of enemy where maybe a different strategy is in order. <laughs> yeah. So Tina, how does uh, how does the basics of moving and running and jumping and fighting uh, feel in Isoth and Felgana to you? Well, I didn't really like the jumping attack. I, it just felt kind of stiff to me. But um, once we get that whirlwind spell, it's like all I'm doing is casting that and then jumping and like, just like that, they're flying. Yeah, and when you get the uh, when you get the charge spell, uh, the third one, um, that, that I think that's I incorporate that into combat a lot too. But oh, yeah. uh, I I because I never got used to the typing, of the the timing of the dash, the upward slash or the downward slash, I. I mostly just spell cast and and mash around and try to position myself smartly. Yeah, I, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not really using the like the. I have the dash button on all the time, so. <laughs> but I'm not really using the downward strike or anything. And uh, we mentioned all three of us are playing on the PC version. The PSP version in Japan came out after the PC version, but I think it might have been vice versa in North America. And uh, like I, th- I think. Um, the PC, the PSP version has another dash move where you can sort of double boost to run faster, uh, and you get that ability at the same time as the double jump, and it also lets you, uh, it it, ad- it adds some story um, stuff to the very beginning of the game, telling you about sort of the history of uh, of the secret sleeping under Felgana, which we'll talk about in the second episode, <laughs> and uh, and also more art gallery stuff, more new game plus options. Uh, you can choose which soundtrack, whether it's uh, the night like um, the the current one or the uh, like the the Japanese PC one or the uh, 1989 version. Uh, it, there's a lot, and also there's a uh, full voice acting for um, cutscenes in the PSP version. So uh, the PS the PC version does have better vis- audio visual. Um, like options and you know to make the game look good on a uh, on a PC monitor but the PSP is much more uh feature rich but yeah, I love the original soundtrack for the uh Super Nintendo version Oh yeah Falcom soundtracks are always bangers yeah. and uh, they they even had Yuzo Koshiro uh contribute to I think to the first 3 East games so he's uh uh and he's a legend so that you know that uh, Falcom always has really energetic cool music this is maybe even on the uh on the more <laughs> heavy metal side of uh of yep. <laughs> of, uh, of of falcom but the i i really really like the um the audio in general for uh for oath and felgana and, and but I, and i'm not as familiar with the snes version but my friend in the game club the music of the snes version is what he was trying to convince sell me sell me the series on but Enough about audio. Enough about uh, the basics. Let's let's get back into the story a little bit. Uh, in at the very beginning of East, this is one of I think maybe two out of the ten main games in the series where Adol is not shipwrecked at the or uh, <laughs> or somehow knocked out or incapacitated in the first five minutes. Um, uh, he, him and his best friend Dogi are visiting uh, Dogi's hometown in Fel- of Felgana, and because East takes place in fake Europe and and fake uh, you know. A, like fake Eurasia, uh, I think Felgana is supposed to be like Switzerland or Austria because it's definitely in the fake Alps, but yeah. it's but it's it's not Garmin, which is fake Germany. So I, I don't know exactly where, but um, so, somewhere in that vicinity of uh, you know, the fake Europe of the East World, which whose name I forget, it might be Europa even, and uh, and right away you meet one of Dogi's childhood friends and you visit the town of Redmond which is a very cute little RPG town uh with a you know a a pretty colorful cast uh have you do you have any characters you've noticed in Redmond that seem to stand out to you guys he says suspiciously knowing what happens to some of them later <laughs> oh no i like those little farm animals <laughs> oh yeah yeah pickards yeah. 
I, I definitely followed them around and did the little sound effect. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, uh, I think Picards are supposed to be half pigs, half rabbits, and you can uh, you can raise a little uh, like a little kennel of them in East Eight when you uh, in the in the town there. Aww. Yeah, I, I remember just thinking that uh, right from the get go, this game had pretty good dialogue and characters. Like like uh, Dogie is a very steadfast friend. Uh, you already automatically know that there's something up with Chester from the moment he makes an appearance. Oh, good lord! Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and the, and the count, I forget his name. Uh, oh shoot, McGuire was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. McGuire. Yeah, and Count McGuire, like, uh, is seems like a pretty evil, pretty uh, pretty um, greedy dude. But there's but when you uh, did you see the um, the cutscene with his family? With McGuire's family? Yeah. I don't remember it. No, it's an optional cutscene. If you go oh. to the, uh, if I think it's going up to the castle gate uh, before you finish the stuff at the mine, uh. then you meet um, McGuire's wife and kids, and mm. some and some of their and I think like uh, some of their other servants and stuff. And it makes it makes me wonder, like, wait, well, this this guy has a nice family. What's what's his deal exactly? <laughs> what is going on? Wow, yeah. I I missed that one, but I definitely talked to the guard a couple of times who told me more about Chester. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the garden Redmond. Uh, Gardner? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, and at the Castle Gate, actually. As oh, well. okay. Yeah, the, I think... I didn't do this the first time I played this game, so I'm trying to do it now. I think if you go back to Redmond and or all the NPCs, really, and talk to them in between story events, uh, they'll, they'll have more things to say to you. And I think if I had done that the first time I'd played, I would have gotten some more foreshadowing to stuff in the later half of the game. But... Uh, where I am now, I'm trying to talk to people more, and it's it, you get a little bit out of it. But really, the biggest thing is that missing cutscene because uh, I th I think that you can't even um, meet the mayor's wife and kids for the uh, for the achievement for the gallery achievement if you miss them that time. Oh no! <laughs> but it's it's no big deal. I mean, you can just replay it, and it'll, it's only it'll only be an hour or two. But yeah, um, Redmond's it's a it's a cute little RPG town. I I've been on the podcast before saying that I don't really like one town RPGs because I I usually want to visit more uh visit many places when I'm playing a Japanese RPG, but this one does a a pretty good job of it because it's also East the Oathen Felgon is a pretty brisk game. Uh, most of the East games until 7 were under 15, 12 to 15 hours or at least in that range. Um I you can beat the first East game in like 3 hours. But uh but Felgana doesn't really waste any of your time. It um it has you going from objective to objective pretty quickly. Uh, and and the first objective is a going seeing what's going on in in the quarry. Uh, there's a some kind of mysterious statue there, and um, Adol goes to the quarry to investigate the uh, missing miners, and Chester goes to investigate the quarry to look for the statue for Mayor for uh, Count McGuire. Um, what do you think of the first stage of this game? Including the the two bosses in it, the statue at the end, and uh, the sorcerer Dularn near the middle. Well, I, I can say at this point, I'm curious. I I want to know more about Dularn. It it seems like he's going to have more to do with things in the second half of the game because he's keeping track of you for reasons that may or may not like may not be the same as Maguire, but we don't know yet. So, and he's kind of recurring. Like I, he. He shows up after you get after you get magic, typically at least in the early game. Yeah, I think that's about right. I think he's basically keeping tabs on you, but we don't really know what his deal is at all. Yeah, I struggled with Dular in the first battle, but I find if you gain just one level, it makes so much difference. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely the case in this game. One level yeah. or one weapon upgrade will be yeah. a large difference in uh, in attack. It's just because they're sort of dealing in small integers, uh, yeah. and uh, and level scales very much. I. I think I beat the game on normal at level 51. In fact, I know what that is because I, I saw the I saw the level on the save file uh, just a few hours ago. But I had to gain several levels in the final dungeon just to handle the final boss. Th this game rewards a grind, but is pretty challenging in its own right because boss battles get intense. It, yeah. Like I, I lo sometimes I feel like I'm playing uh like I'm playing a shmup like Gradius or Galaga or something because there's just so much crap on the screen that I have to dodge just to like find my way to the boss like I'm navigating a hedge maze or something. 
Yeah, agreed. And I think you do kind of get the first taste of that with Dularn. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I died a couple times the, when I faced Dularn the first time. Uh, again, this was a couple years ago, but and I handled them uh, better this time. But it's... I, I, that, that's really a hallmark of the E series. Really, just intense boss fights. Some, some of which are, you know, the size of the size of your character and and like mashing you blow for blow, or some that can fill the whole screen. It's they they get intense, and uh, it, it was a bit of a uh, a trial by fire for me playing this for the first time. It's like, okay, this, this is hard, but this is also really good, and I think I want to play this th- thing through to the end. Uh, but at, at the end of the Tigray quarry, quarry, we uh, we got. We have some items. We have the the new spell. We have the first of four statues that the count is interested in, and we meet a couple more characters like uh, like the mayor and the bishop and some and some miners. Um, and then we go. And then after you learn a little bit more about what's going on with the the setting and the statues, you go to the second dungeon, the Ilburn's ruins, which has just a fantastic uh, background track. I love the I love the Ilburn ruins music. Yeah, it definitely helped me power through. <laughs> It's it's one of those like sort of just like intense upbeat rock tracks that just has a sense of forward momentum. That's like, yeah, I'm sprinting through something with this. This is <laughs> this this is great. I like the main part of the ruins. I didn't like the lava part. Yeah, well, the the the, the lava section is sort of a new dungeon. They sort of like after yeah. you, after you fight Chester, he basically just like kicks you uh, three hundred style into a hole <laughs> where where I th- where he probably think. He probably thought he was killing you, but really he was just sending you to where the next next stat- statue was. So yeah, not the smartest move, Chester. Thanks, Chester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, well, thank you for giving me this wind spell in the statue, but also no thanks for kicking me down a hole. That's rude. Uh, yeah, at that point, it's to be expected with him. <laughs> yeah, the, Ch- Chester's a jerk. Um, I, I don't think that's a spoiler. It's <laughs> a spoiler at all. Um, he's uh, he's Elena's brother, and Elena seems like a total sweetheart that Dogi may or may not have a crush on. And in the, in fact, in the first minute of the game, Dogi says, "Oh, this is Elena. She's gotten really pretty, hasn't she? But she'll probably fall in love with you, Adol. This how this is usually how it goes." Because it, it's true, Adol will, uh, you know, save the world, be the chosen chosen guy of something and some village girl will fall in love with him but then he has to go on and move on to the next adventure that, that that's that's adal's curse <laughs> thank you some parts <laughs> uh but his true love of course is dogi uh, and adventure <laughs> i don't know if we would even call if we would even call it a running joke or not but uh adal and dogi are definitely best friends but like bert and ernie of sesame street maybe they're more than best friends but and then that and that's where fan speculation enters the picture but um, enough about Adol and Dogi for now. Uh, it, back in the Zone of Lava, which a quick Google search told me was the official name of that uh, of that area, we start um, collecting la- uh, Raval ore in large quantities, and um, and also we get uh, we get an emerald for your bracelet. You've, there's a ruby for your first bracelet in the mine. But uh, collecting rubies and ore are the way the main ways of upgrading your equipment. So. Uh, it's really important to find those, and I'm always, uh, you know, my my uh, missing content anxiety kicks into place when I when I'm near the end of a dungeon and I'm worried that I've missed a chest, especially when it's something really important like a spell upgrade. Uh, yeah, those gemstones. I almost missed the the emerald. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I I checked the list, but I um definitely almost missed the emerald in the zone of lava and one of the gems in the abandoned mine shaft. Uh, after you get after you get the uh, well, the same place where you get the double jump. But uh, have you had any uh, item collection woes or anything or anything similar in this playthrough? Yeah, like I almost missed Emerald myself. I was struggling with that bird boss, so I just started reading the guides and I missed an Emerald, so I had to go all the way back. Oh, that sucks. But yeah. but I mean, you really don't want to miss them. Each spell oh, has three gems, so three rubies, three emeralds, three topazes to find, and you really don't want to miss those. I uh I mean I'm sure you can beat the game without them but I I mean do, do you want to do you want to do that to yourself really? No. <laughs> and uh, um and what about the two bosses in the uh in in the, the zone of lava the uh, w- what were they it was a uh, um the fire eater eater and the lord of the of the blazing inferno. Do we have any uh, any thoughts any struggles with those? Believe it or not it uh, it it took me a while to get the hang of the the first one 
I, I had less of a hard time with the final boss, actually. And I think it had more to the most to do with the fact that you kind of have to glide around because that fire eater is on fire a lot and it really damages you. So you have to kind of use your newfound wind magic to glide away so that he'll cool down before you can go in and attack. And it just took me forever to get the hang of how to get far enough away and then back in. But yeah, it's again, it's kind of like a shmup game. Like, yep. you, you, you know what I mean? A shmup top-down shooter like a, like Galaga mm -hmm. or something where it's really more about dodging and figuring out patterns than it is getting in hits. If you, yep. if you think, uh, if, if you play this almost like a Zelda game where you're tr where you're trying to just um, dive in and get in as many strikes in as possible, you probably will die because uh, in this many East games, especially and maybe including or especially this one, it's really about uh, avoiding the big hits of the bosses and then and then uh, attacking them when they're when they're a little bit idle rather than just always hunting for sword strikes. It's yeah. I I've, you feel that a lot in the last couple uh, in the last run of bosses in this game, but it's a uh, like sort of dodge first, attack second was an attitude I had to adapt when I first played this, and I'm having a better, an easier time now because I sort of know what to, know what to do ahead of time. It's good, yeah. It's gotten easier as the game's gone on, but it is quite the adjustment, especially because I'm way more used to Zelda. Yeah, it, it, sort of fun, one funny thing. Um, when I started playing these, I, I was calling a. Uh, uh, Felgana Origin and uh, and Napishtim, um, the three that are in the same engine, Hipster Zelda, and then the uh, <laughs> and then the next three, which are Seven, Celseta, and uh, Lacrimosa. I called those three Hipster Secret of Mana because th those are uh, have a new battle system where you control three characters at once and switch between them rapidly. Ah, uh, yep. It's, if anything, it's been a it's been a um, it's been a uh, Secret of Mana or a Mana replacement for me <laughs> because uh, because they aren't making any good ones of those anymore. Yeah, I'll have to check it out then. They are good. Um, uh, Seven's maybe my favorite. It's like uh, Seven or Felgana are both maybe top three in the series for me. And uh, um, and I played Lacrimosa of Dana, the uh, um, which is on Switch and PS4 and Vita. I played that pretty recently, just like uh, like towards the end of 2018. And uh, I I don't know if I love that one as much as some of the others, but it was it was still really really good. Like again, none of these East games made after 2000 are losers. They're they all, at the very least, help you understand the other ones in the series better, and uh, and have cool lore, and uh, and you get to hang out with Adol, who's a likable protagonist. So is he, he's in all of them, like even the new ones. He, he's in all of them except Origin. Origin oh. takes place a thousand years before East One, and uh, all of the. Uh, I think I mentioned this on another podcast recently. I'm sorry. And uh, all of the bosses and many of the characters in Origin um, come back in East in East One and Two. Like uh, either you'll see someone from the bloodline of the uh, of a character in Origin, or you'll see or or the monsters will return as bosses. Um, it, it's uh, I mean I think Origin is a much better game than East One or Two, but it it is sort of cool if you play all three of them then see sort of. Uh, like where the patterns are and uh, and what the connection is between, uh, you know, b between different characters and settings. Um, he he starts out as a teenager. I think he's supposed to be sixteen or seventeen in East One, and then every East game onward is just like another chapter in Adol's travel log. I think sort of the like the overarching lore of the East games is someone found the travelogue of the legendary adventurer Adol Kristen, and every game is like a chapter in his life. So I, I think he's a different I – mean, I'd have to check a, a wiki or something, but he, I think he's a different age in every game. And that's why, uh, pe and that's why people realized that uh, um, East 4 takes place before East 3 because he's – it's something like he's 19 in East 4 and 20 in East 3. So it's, it's not exactly linear, but uh, it is a connected story. Adol is the main character in all of them except for Origin, and uh, they even change his appearance to make himself look a little older with each game. So, That's yeah, neat. I can really appreciate a series that has a strong frame like that. And it didn't used to have a strong frame when they were making them in the '90s. They uh, they were very dissimilar, and again, they made they contracted two different versions of East Four, which I still don't mm -hmm. understand to this day. But the uh, so it was it was a little bit messy at first. But from starting with this reboot from around 2000, they've been able to sort of maintain a canon and uh, and and keep a lot of story connections between the different games. Um, there's a uh, there's a group of quote unquote bad people <laughs> called the Tribe of Darkness, 
who are uh, are villains in a lot of East games, including Origin, and um, they don't make an appearance till E6. But when they, um, but then in the following remakes, in uh, for. Uh, Memories of Celceta, which is a remake of four, and Felgana, which is a remake of three, and Origin, which takes place of bet- before East One, they incorporate Tribe of Darkness stuff in all of them to to make them sort of to make the different games all fit together better. It's it's really really smart, rewarding story design. Uh, at least it feels like that to me. And uh, yeah, um, East Nine, we got a we got um, our first videos of East Nine a couple weeks ago, and we got our first sort of artwork from East Nine uh, a few months ago. And that game looks really good. I think I think Adol's like been stuck in prison for an undetermined amount of time. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like the the fake Bastille prison in France or something. And it's and it's him uh breaking out of prison, recruiting other prisoners. People have monster powers. You have to run a guild. I don't know exactly everything going on, but uh, th- this is the most the oldest and most grizzled that Adol has ever been in a uh, in an East game. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Uh Okay, but, now I'm picturing this like French Revolution sort of background. Like, you know, you know, maybe watch that video, uh, that recent video, because I, I think they do. I think like French Revolution Castle Town is kind of what they're going for. <laughs> cool. Um, but uh, but again, it's still really early. Uh, we and um, we're record- recording this a few weeks in advance, so it's possible that uh, more news will come out um, between now and when this and when this uh, episode gets posted. But I'm really excited for East Nine because I again I like even the, I thought East Six was and East One and Two were kind of weak, but I haven't really been disappointed by an East game yet. So it's a good time for us to finally be talking about the series. Yeah, finally. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up doing another one eventually because the, the East games, a lot of them feel really different. Again, there's Hipster Zelda and Hipster Secret of Mana for at least a, for three each of them. <laughs> um, but uh, and they're also, they're most, they're, I mentioned this before, but they're mostly brief. Like um, until East 7, they were all under 15 hours. And then East 7 is sort of, and East uh, Memories of Celceta are sort of in the 20, 30 range. And then uh, Lacrimosa of Dana is really long. East eight's uh, something like forty to fifty hours. But they, uh, but uh, but they're all like good RPGs that are really action heavy and don't feel like they waste your time. Um, but okay, back to the story. Uh, after the Zone of Lava, you have the uh, you have the wind spell, so you can uh, so you can glide around a lot. And uh, the dungeon after that is a, maybe a little bit, it, it, I don't know, it's a very vertical dungeon, but it feels uh, it, it feels shorter and less um, you know less intense than the Ilburn's Ruins or the Zone of Lava. The, yeah. the, the Abandoned Mine, uh, you get the double jump, which is great, but and there's a lot of hidden stuff in the Abandoned Mine, but it's, uh, I don't know, it doesn't feel quite as quite as rough as the others. Um, what were your thoughts on the mine? Yeah, I almost found that one kind of relaxing, actually, after a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. Uh, my, my one annoyance is that I spent way too long going back and forth looking for a lot of that hidden stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's I, at least I, one I, gemstone I, in there, and there's a ton of revolver. Yup. Um, oh, and didn't exactly appreciate wandering around in the dark toward the oh. beginning of it, but it wasn't the worst, like, characters in the dark sort of mechanics I've seen. It, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> Did either of you get that necklace that lights up the dark areas? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't even know about that until after I finished that. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy, they, they, you had a much more difficult time yeah, in mind than I did. But yeah, you you get that. Uh, it's I, I think I think it's um you, you need the wind to get it, but I think it's it's in the quarry, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it, it helps um both for the glide and for the double jump to sort of uh, explore the previous areas as much as you can to see what uh, items you can get with your new abilities. It's a little bit Metrovania that way, but it's yeah. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to call. Esoth and Filgana, a secret Metrovania game. Um, go ahead, Hillary. I was just going to say that's something I can also appreciate, though. Like, I, I, I like it when a game rewards you for going back to previous areas. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it it handles it in a pretty good way, I think. It's uh, um, like you don't have to. Uh, hopefully you didn't miss anything in the Zone of Lava because that's the by far the mo- uh, uh, of the previous areas the most annoying one to both fi- get to and escape from. But yeah, the um, East does a pretty good job of rewarding re-exploration and uh, and and, uh, and and reinterpreting old areas. And like I said, if you visit the town and talk to people around, you learn a few more story details um, between yeah, ma- between that. major events. 
Uh, and I, I really, really want to talk about the second half of the game, but I cannot. <laughs> because, I don't know, I hope I'm not overselling it, but there is a bit of a, there is a, bit of a turn that was a surprise to me uh, the first time I played. Oh, exciting. Looking yeah. forward to it. Now you've got me worried for all the townspeople. <laughs> I like them all. Maybe something happens to some townspeople. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> After you um, get the double jump in the mine, you're uh, able to go and look for the next statue in the Elder Mountains. And the first time I played this, I was really upset I couldn't kill certain enemies. Yeah. You need that. You need that. Uh, that earth charge. That um. That topaz bracelet. Right. Yeah, I accidentally fell in a room full of those, like the rock guys. And, mm. yeah. yeah. Yep. Did the same thing. Yeah, if you gotta double, you gotta just double jump over them and get the hell out and get back, get back onto the onto the trail because it's a, uh, I, I mean, I mean, you you realize pretty early that you need some item or, uh, or something to get through the these enemies that are only taking zero or one damage, but. Uh, and that end item ends up being the third spell, which is sort of like a uh, like a charge move that um, that will uh, that will knock out armored enemies and make and expose them to for more damage. But uh, it, it's also right around the midpoint of the game. You basically go through the mountains, you get that terror bracelet, and then you go through the and sort of an ice cave zone. And it's at and uh, at the end of that is where you get is where you get the next statue. And that's around where we're going to end uh, today's discussion. But uh, but before we do, like, what were your thoughts on those dungeons? The uh, I, I really like the song in the uh, in the, on the mountain path, <laughs> and uh, and and I also appreciate how vertical the ice dungeon was. It's a lot of you know remembering what floor you're on and uh, and 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 sort of you know tracking your yourself at a vertical scale and not just going for, uh, moving from left to right like you know the Super Nintendo ESO ESA. Wanderers from East was, but what do you think of these two of these two sort of partner dungeons? I'm actually liking a lot of the scenery in the outdoor areas of the mountains. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. And the, like those the, crystal, the ice crystals. Yeah, the backgrounds in this game are pretty good. They sort of they yeah. like they almost look too good for the quality of the sprites. <laughs> <laughs> but like, these sprites are sort of like sort of smooth lines and doll like, but then the backgrounds yep. and the uh, and things like how how this how the save points and like and and things on the screen like bridges or uh, or statues look more detailed in the sprites in a way that is a little bit too eyebrows up for me. <laughs> yeah, I I think I just kind of compartmentalized the two in my mind a little bit. So okay, sprites are this way, environments are this way, and <laughs> somehow managed. But yeah, oh my god, the environments in this game, just in general, there were a couple points like one of them I think is when I first entered the church, in the town. I just found myself kind of staring at them a little bit. It's really, really a pretty game. Yeah, you can tell that they're that these were you know rendered polygons. Like like sometimes you can sort of see the blocks of the like the building stuff, but because uh, they pop again because they pop out different differently than the sprites do. But um, it, it's a lot of really gorgeous architecture and scenery. Yeah, yeah and the graphics are so detailed. <laughs> and, and Falcom's not a large studio. I think they have fewer than sixty employees, but. Uh, but they they do really um like like again again the the technology is not always the most advanced like uh the one joke is that they're they're always a generation behind so their uh their their PSP game looked like a looked like a P, or I should say the the PSP Legend of Heroes games looks like PS1 games and then the Vita Legend of Heroes games look like PS2 games but uh but they you could you can really tell that they do a good job um with their with their art and design uh and, but speaking of of sprites. If you want to really confuse yourself, look at the different amounts of sprite work done in E6. Uh, E6 was a P it was a PC game that had a PS2 port, and the PS oh. the PC original, and the Japanese PS2 version and the North American PS2 version all have different sprites. Um, I, I think they wanted to have a I think it was because they they thought that North America wouldn't be as receptive to the 2D sprites, similar to what are in Filgana. But so they have these really weirdly rendered uh, polygon character models uh, just for the North American PS2 version. It's super weird. Huh. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's like his arms look really weird. Yeah, his arms look stubby, like he's a like yeah. he's like he was a poorly made uh, scarecrow or something. And his, and his and his shield sort of pops off his back. <laughs> It's uh, it looks much better with the with the hand drawn two D sprites. 
Uh, okay, uh, we're roughly around where we intended to end for the episode, so I just want to ask a couple more questions. Like, I've ended up talking about almost every single East game on this podcast, which I sort of thought I was going to do, but uh, even underestimated how much I would. Um, starting with you, Tina. Like, first, are you enjoying this so far? And second, are you think you're, are you more interested in modern East now? I am. I, I do really like this game. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I want to try 8 especially because the graphics look really pretty. 8 is pretty as hell. Um, 8, uh, eight famously had a really terrible localization. Uh, oh, yeah. a, a lot of fans attributed that from Falcom uh, changing localizers from Xseed to Nipponichi Software America. Uh, and, and because Nisa underbid East, uh, Xseed on getting the contract to translate the game. And the translation was so bad that, like, fan, and fan outcry was so bad they had to retranslate the entire thing. I remember um, that. Uh, yeah, but that, and that would have been end of 2017, beginning of 2018. Um, but but now, if you play any of those, uh, any version of East 8, you will get the good translation. Yeah. I played it for Switch last year, I think I mentioned, and I had an absolute blast with it. It even runs pretty well in handheld mode. Um, yeah, I like what I've seen of 6, too, because of all the island scenes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 6 takes place on, like... Oh, shoot, the fake Atlantic Ocean, so like fake Atlantis or maybe fake Mount St. Helens. I'm sorry, uh, fake St. Helens Island. Uh, I was thinking of the, the place where Napoleon was exiled. Uh, and uh, East 8 takes place in fake Mediterranean Ocean. But in but, but both of them, Adel gets shipwrecked because Adel tends to get shipwrecked. <laughs> Again, I think it happens in every single... He either gets shipwrecked or like crashes and lands in a mysterious place in every single East game. I want to say... Uh, Except seven in Felgana. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he's he's two for nine on safe arrivals to new lands. Not not a not a great look at all. No, that's not the best track record. <laughs> no, there's even a scene in East Seven where uh, you have to go visit a small island that's off the coast of where you're staying, and uh, one character goes, "So, Adol, can you pilot the boat?" And then Dogie steps in and goes, "No, I'm taking care of this. Trust me on this one." <laughs> Let him do it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Hillary, same question I asked Tina. Like, are you mostly enjoying this, yes or no? And are you more interested in East now, yes or no? Um, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying it a lot. Um, I think I've been missing some good action RPG kind of gameplay, um, especially because I'm, as people probably who have been listening to the podcast know, like early stuff like the Quintet games. Um, mm, yeah. So which I know uses tangentially, has had some similar people early on working yeah, on them. I, I, yes, I think there are former Falcom people in Quintet, uh, or like people left Falcom and to form fin Quintet, so there is some shared DNA yeah. there. Mm. Exactly. So that that is definitely a draw. I can tell playing it. Um, but also, I definitely got drawn in by the town, and definitely Adel and Dogi too, so I, I want to hear more about their adventures. Yeah, um, and and uh, like I think characters are maybe of secondary importance to East because I really focus on the uh, on the dungeons and action and bosses when yeah. I play an East game. But um, uh, they, I mean, Falcom always has colorful characters and good writing. They uh, there's way more writing in the Legend of Heroes slash Trails games than there are in East. But uh, they, they always have you know like the characters have personality and are at least amusing and interesting. The the later East games where you have a party of six or seven characters. Uh, uh, they they focus more on on character development in those because you have yeah. because you have a you have um you know six or seven main characters and only one of them is silent, but uh, <laughs> right yeah I but uh, but <laughs> um, I, I think Felgana is a good starting point. It was it was the first one I finished and because I think you you get a sense of who Adol and Doki are and the kind of adventures they get into. Um, and a game that's not too long or too short, and uh, is probably slightly above average in challenge for East games. So I, I think like Felgana is a great starting point, and I'm really glad to be sharing your your first East journeys because <laughs> it was a. Uh, um, I'm a little bit behind. I, uh, I I think I just got the Topaz bracelet, so I haven't gone into the Ice Cave yet. But yeah, um, I, I really liked this game. This kickstarted me playing every East game I could afterwards, and uh, I'm. Again, I'm I'm really excited for nine. I don't I don't know if nine if uh, East Nine Monstrum Knox is going to come out in 2019 or later, but it's pr it's one of my most anticipated games. Uh, full stop. And um, yeah, once you with East, once you pop, you just can't stop. 
<laughs> I, it sure seems like it. Oh, and before I forget, there is actually one other thing I wanted to mention that's oh. site related with ease and that's we have a lovely feature that I'm, I know I'm going to look at again um, before nine comes out and probably even before finishing with Anna. But that's um, the so you want to get into ease feature and that talks a bit about the history the changes that have happened to the series to make it co more cohesive mm. and it goes through each game too yeah so um, that that was written by rob fenner who is a falcom yeah. scholar and uh, when we did a falcom encounter episode about two years ago he had a lot to say about the sort of uh um falcom's early and middle days but um I, i'm really my attachment to falcom is almost entirely in their modern age from say uh from what from yeah from the east one and two remakes onward basically but uh they are a company with a rich history, and East has a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot to to take in if you if you want to get into East. But um, that primer that he wrote uh, a year or two ago is a really good starting point. I do recommend it. I and I and I think uh, I'll repeat what you said, Hillary. It's called officially "So You Want to Get Into East." Yep. And yes, it's pronounced East, not Wise, not Ease. <laughs> it, it, it's it's like you it's like you say the word geese but drop the G. But you don't say it like Terry Bogard when he meets the man who killed his father and says geese. <laughs> no, no, not that way. Yeah, when I played the original when I was like ten or something, I think I pronounced it use. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I thought it was Wise, but I but again, yeah. this is a series I only ever saw tangentially and rented once. Yeah, but yep. um, but it, but I was at, I I was set straight pretty early. It was in the early two thousands. Like, oh, this is East. Okay, I get it now. I uh, and and also there's no apostrophe. Yes, thank you. Thank it, you. It, improper apostrophe <laughs> use is one of my uh is one of my language pet peeves, or I should say English language pet peeves. Mine too, and I could totally see like growling yes when you're angry at it. And oh yeah. Having boss yeah. for the millionth time. Um, but other than that, yeah. Hello, just... Teddy. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I live for terrible old SNK voice acting. I really do. <laughs> but, okay, we're, if we're talking about um, Geese Howard and Terry Bogard, then it's definitely time to end the episode. Uh, thank yeah. you so much, T uh, Tina and Hillary, for joining me on talking about East Falgana. I promise to be a little bit further ahead next time uh, in, and, uh, <laughs> and, and prepare to talk about endgame stuff with you, including one twist that I've mentioned several times and I'm probably oh. giving you anxiety about. But d d don't worry, <laughs> just keep playing. Um, and thank you listeners for joining us and uh, the first step to our East the Oath and Felgana journey. This game is great. I think it holds up. I think it is one of the probably three best East games and I thought it was a really good choice both for a new East player or a veteran East player to, to visit or revisit. This is just a good-ass video game that doesn't waste your time. But uh, this is episode 183. Um, episode 184 is going to be part two of this. This is not going to take us very long to get to the end, so I'm going to have these two episodes go back to back. And after that, we're going to have an episode all about uh, mini consoles. The SNES Classic, NES Classic, and PS1 Classic are three uh, miniature consoles that have hit us in recent years. Uh, two of them well-received, one of them less well-received. And we have some thoughts on uh, what games should have been on those things, and uh, if they ever were to release more of those, what, what uh, the Nintendo or Sony's strategies should be. So there's an episode all about that upcoming. And then in May, we are going to have two episodes on Chrono Cross, the classic PS1 game that uh, gives created some complicated feelings in the hearts of Chrono Trigger fans. And uh, also three episodes... I don't want to say what they are yet, but three special tribute episodes that are going to be really fun to record, but we have not uh, started on those yet. So please look forward to... A uh, double feature of Chrono Cross and a triple feature of To Be Determined in May. And also, listeners, don't forget to uh, like and subscribe where, uh, wherever you're, however you're listening to this podcast. Leave positive feedback, five stars, five stars. Also, visit us on RPG Fan for all of our other fantastic content. RPG Fan has forums. It has a Facebook. It has a Twitter. It has an Instagram. We have stuff twi streaming on Twitch every night, and you can find all of those fine things on RPGFan.com's front page. So, uh, starting with you, Tina. If listeners want to reach you, how can they do so? I'm kittensoft39 on both Instagram and Twitter. Okay, and Hillary, your turn. So the best way to reach me is probably on our Discord, and I'm EP Fire there. 
Okay, and if you want to reach me, there are many ways to do so. Uh, you can email retro at rpgfan.com. I'm the person that responds to that email address. I'm at the real monsoon on Twitter most of the time, and at evoker for dogs other times. I'm monsoon Mike on the RPG Fan Discord, and monsoon on the RPG Fan forums. And I'm also Solosi at rpgfan.com. Uh, so I think we. Uh, I, I hope we were gentle to you on your first podcast, Tina, because. I know you, you, you sent us a lot of messages asking uh, about questions about how much to prepare. And if anything, you were probably the most prepared of any of us. Yeah, I took all sorts of notes. <laughs> it's, it's all good. I, I, I try to cre- create a relaxed atmosphere for the uh, podcasters here, but I know that I can sometimes be a bit of an intense person. So I'm, I'm not always uh, helping myself there. But... I did want to say one thing that I think people should check out because it's kind of hilarious. Oh, oh hit, hit us. Um, Go for it. I'm actually looking right now at the cover of the Genesis version of this. Oh, and we were talking about the character's age, and he looks kind of middle-aged on it. <laughs> oh, is this like the era of terrible fantasy? Yeah, art? like that old trend of drawing characters looking middle-aged in the age. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yeah, kind of like, I mean, it's almost like the two versions of Nier. The one aimed at Japanese audiences was a little boy, and the one <laughs> aimed at Western audiences was a grizzled old man. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there's two different versions of Nier Gestalt. Well, whatever, it's not important. Uh, but what is important is that uh, the episode is over, and we, I had a great time. And thank you, uh, thank you, and good night, and good luck. Bye. Bye.